Gator great wide receiver Carlos Alvarez who joins us. Carlos, good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, Steve, and hope you're doing well. I am, and I appreciate you doing this. Carlos, take me back, because the reason why I think there's a lot of similarities here, uh, as freshmen, you could not play on the varsity back then, but you you were familiar with the 68 team. You know, last year's team was supposed to do well. It didn't. Wasn't that a similar case with the 68 team? Yes, Um you're you're right on on the similarities. It, the uh, that '68 team was supposed to be a very good Gator team, um, but like you know, in in many instances, when when a when a good team fails to live up to its expectations, something happens that probably uh, normal fans uh, don't know. And I think for that Gator team, uh, the great running back Larry Smith, and we had a run-oriented offense in '68. That changed in '69, but we had a run-oriented offense, and he hurt himself. Uh, in the preseason, and he wasn't really 100%. Um, and so um, they had a very disappointing year, uh, even though they, it was 6-4. and four. It wasn't the worst, but it was not really what was expected. Um, and um, so coming into 69, um, not much was expected, really, because 68 had been such a, uh, such a, dis- uh, a disappointing year in terms of expectations. So, yes, the similarity is there. All right. So you have a, a nationally ranked team in Houston coming to town. Uh, when when you guys were preparing for them, Carlos, what did you see with this Houston team? Well, we saw a team that had scored 100 points against, I think, Tulsa <laughs> the year before. And uh, – uh, we hadn't seen this yet, but they were about to score in a couple of more games, 70 against Mississippi State. Um, and um, really, it's a team that was ran that VRT to perfection. In fact, I think they're the ones who really created it uh, to, to the tune where it was really, really effective. Uh, and so they had an incredible uh, offense, and they had a very good defense. Um, and um, it was... Um, I don't like to use the word scared because I don't think you 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 I, I don't think you as a player you get scared, but I tell you we had a lot of respect for Houston, and nobody was giving us a chance. And when I say that, I that word is often overused. Nobody, but I truly nobody was giving us a chance. They were ranked number one by Playboy magazine and. Um, they were certainly in the top five or six of just every uh, possible poll, and we were not. Uh, we were ranked as one of the worst teams coming in. Um, and um, I like to say that uh, they were ranked number one by Playboy, and uh, just as a fun fact, that the Gators were ranked number one as a number one party <laughs> by Playboy at the same time. So, um you, you know, those are not the kinds of things that you want to compare when you're uh, when you're facing this incredible Houston team. You know, Carlos, one of the things, though, I think that sometimes gets overlooked is preparation and knowing the other team. Fred Pancoast was somebody that you give a lot of credit to as far as game planning for that Houston team. Can you discuss that a little bit? Yes, and Fred was our offensive coordinator. Uh, he was also the quarterback coach. 
um, and uh, our offensive coordinator. And the game plan that was set up for Houston was unbelievable in terms of how how great a game plan that was. And not only was it a great game plan um, uh, in terms of the actual execution of it, but as the offense, uh, we thought that that was a great game plan. It gave us confidence that if we ran this game plan um, – we we would we would have success. We we didn't realize how much success we would have, but my goodness, we thought we would have success. And um, to me, that was crucial. And, and really, Fred Pankos is a guy who probably is forgotten by Gator fans. But as far as, especially that '69 year, because after that um, we had a coaching change. But that that '69 year, the job that he did. Um, with that Gator offense and with John Reeves to make John just an, you know, I mean, John had incredible athletic ability, but to coach him through as a sophomore, never have played in the varsity before, was just one of the greatest coaching jobs um, in uh, in Gator history. And, and let me say this, I mean, we, we were lucky in that not only do we have that side of it, sort of the, the cerebral side of, of – um, of a great game plan. We had the emotional side of a great game plan because we had the great Gene Ellenson, who was the defensive coordinator who um, gave uh, an, what, what we have all uh, the, the 69 team is always called the impossible dream speech the night before the game. He got us to an emotional level that I thought, I had never, I had never uh, experienced, and I thought it was incredible. I mean, an emotional talk, a World War II veteran talking about the Battle of the Bulge, and how brotherhood forms in the heat of battle. And you know, he clearly said, "This is not war." You know, uh, this wasn't. But that the emotion and the kind of feeling you got to have in order to have success as a group you got to be there for your brother. And he was in the Battle of the Bulge in a very tough situation where it looked like his position was going to be overrun during the night and three or four um, of his fellow soldiers and him held the, held the hill. And I will tell you, as a Cuban kid, I wasn't even an American citizen then. It was like I was listening to John Wayne <laughs> telling us, we're, yeah. we're going to charge that hill. I'm telling you, and it's the truth. I'm not making this up. I, I It was like America shows up the day before the game and tells me we're going to take a <laughs> we're going to hold that hill and not only that but we're going to take some territory so the emotional level that in the emotional level too was heightened by the the senior class that we had which was an unbelievable senior class great team captains you know right before coaches leave the, the locker room and they get in front of all of us and tell us that everything is on the line today i mean truly feeling that that was uh, the best. So it was tying all the, what I call the cerebral stuff. The, you know, you got to be smart. You got to you got to be smart in terms of the, the game plan and all of that. But then also tying the emotional end, which is such a key part of football. Our guest Carlos Alvarez, Gator Great, talking about that '69 game. The Gators now facing a ranked team in Utah. They faced a ranked team in Houston back then. Uh, you told me Carlos that even up big at the half. It was like, uh-oh, because you knew how potent this Houston offense was, right? Right. So, you know, we're 38-6 at the half. Um, I mean, <laughs> they're in shock. 
I mean, Houston is in shock. We go into the locker room, and you would think, all right, we're all back and saying, hey, we're done good. <laughs> you know, we're 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 good here. Uh, that locker room still felt we could lose this game. Really, when you see a team score 100 points a year before, uh, that doesn't leave your mind. And uh, like, I, you know, two games later, I think it was two games after 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 our game with Houston, they scored 70 on Mississippi State. I mean, they had this potent offense that when it got going, it was impossible to stop. In fact, the only game we lost in 69 was against Auburn. Guess who faces Auburn in the Blue Bonnet Bowl at the end of the year? Houston. Houston destroys them. I mean, just destroys Auburn like 30 to 6 or something like that or 38 to 6. But it, but it just shows you how powerful they were and how at halftime, we still thought we could lose this game. So we came out in the second half, and all of a sudden, Houston does put up a couple of scores. And, uh, and uh, I mean, you know, everybody's eyes got, got bigger. Uh, but then um, we put the uh, pedal to the metal in terms of the offense. And uh, at the end of the game, uh, we, had a, we, uh, we won by a good margin. But the fans who were there that day, and they say that, uh, you know, there's never been so many fans come in at halftime for a Gator game ever, but the fans that were in there for that game got their money's worth. No I doubt. mean, we, you know, overall, uh, you know, almost a hundred points scored, uh, long passes, short passes. And they saw an offense. If, if you knew offenses, they saw a Florida offense they had never seen. And it was a pre Spurrier offense, you know, that had a lot of the Spurrier uh, types of um, offensive schemes uh, that people had just had never seen before. I can tell you that um, the, the, the offense, I, uh, I forget, I think it's, we scored 59. The offense didn't play most of the fourth quarter. Um, it was that, that, that big a difference. And at, really by, by the end of the third quarter, I could run any route I wanted and be open because they were so confused, wow. you know, from end around, end around passes to, uh, you know, you know, just setting up, uh, and a lot of Gator fans remember the third play of the game because we we I went for a 70-yard touchdown pass from John. But that was set up, and we knew about this. I mean, this was, you know, we talked, we had talked about it. We would set it. They, they played a two-deep defensive backfield, and their corners were really tight, but they were defending on their defensive backs to cover deep, especially down the sidelines. So we ran two plays. We get the ball. We run two plays on the right-hand side um, to the right-hand side so that the left side of the field is getting bigger and bigger. But I am lining up each time just a little bit further out, closer to the sidelines in each play. So the first play and then the second play and then the third play where we're going to go for it deep, I'm lined up, you know, probably at least seven or eight yards further than I lined up on the first play. And that was to trick the safety into thinking that we were doing exactly the same thing, that I was lined up the same way. Mm -hmm. But by the time I got past that cornerback, it was too far for him to reach. You know, I mean, uh, three or four yards makes a huge difference uh, in that kind of a situation. And uh, by the time he got there, it was too late. And But that was thought of. That was uh, something that was part of the, the absolute game plan on how to do that. And then from then on, we had wheel routes, uh, you know, to Tommy Durrance, um, uh, all kinds of, you know, like I said, we had a, a tight end around that uh, uh, Guy McTheney, uh threw the ball to me. Uh, it was <laughs> it was fabulous. 
So uh, great game plan. I got about 30 seconds left. Um, you told me about Elmo Wright, who ended up playing in the NFL, that you became friends with. Did, was he the first one to do a dance in the end zone? Tell me that story. Yes. Uh, he, he caught a touchdown pass uh, during the game, and he, he caught it around the five-yard line. And the defensive back, uh, our defensive back, threw himself at him, but uh, he was behind him. And then Elmo picked up his legs really high to make him miss his ankles. And he was just high-stepping it. And he was just high-stepping it into the end zone and just danced right into the end zone. The fans went crazy. The Florida <laughs> fans just booed him and all of that. But that was the first time, because then he, he got notoriety um, through the rest of his history about dancing in the end zone. But that was the first time he did it. He told me about it. That, that was the first time, and it was impromptu because of that particular situation. So, and that's the first dance of any football player, pro or college. Who, that's the, the first one was done in Florida Field, Houston, 69. And uh, there was a New York Times article about it where, where Elmo uh, – um, spoke about it, um, but it's a great little piece of history uh, that that first dance happened at Florida Field, and it was really impromptu by Elmo, a great guy. I got to know him in the All American teams, and uh, wonderful guy. And um, but but anyway, that's the story. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that, and <clears throat> thank you for sharing your time here, Carlos. And hopefully, the outcome come uh, September three will be the same as it was in 1969 when the Gators faced a ranked team coming into the swamp here. Thank you, my friend, for doing this. Yeah. Uh, thank you, and definitely uh, go Gators. All right, Carlos, thank All you. Right. Gator great. Thanks. Carlos Alvarez.